Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another fantastic conversation for all of you listeners as we are joined by one of the breakout stars and most improved players of the 2023 season. Of course, I am referring to two-time ATP singles finalist, two-time NCAA team champion, and former USC All-American Yana Kaufman, who was kind enough to join our program once again today to discuss his breakout 2023 season. What allowed him to make that jump that we saw from him on the court this year? We get into the mechanics behind all of that. We discuss what it meant to him to accomplish something like this at this stage of this career, what he hopes to do with a result like this, how he hopes to take this momentum moving forward. I also got to nerd out with him a bit, talk about his matches. He played Yannick Sinner, Carlos Alcaraz in back-to-back first-round matches this fall. All, had to ask about the game plan entering those matches, what it's like to face down the barrel of two of the toughest tests we'll perhaps see on the ATP Tour for much of the next decade plus. Anyways, it's an awesome conversation. Again, a fantastic podcast. I guarantee all of you listeners will enjoy. Of course, we've got a lot of good content for you in the month of December here at Cracked Rackets. We know it's off season. Nothing's going on on court. How do we keep you tennis fans occupied? Well, it's providing you with some of the best conversations we think happening in the tennis world right now. We're joined by the experts, David Kane, Gil Gross, Ben Rothenberg, Ed McGrogan, David Gertler, and others just about every day over on our mini break podcast feed. We're breaking down everything happening in the Challenger college tennis world over on our Great Shot podcast feed as well. So if you haven't already, go subscribe, go like, go review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel as well so you don't miss out on any of our off-season coverage. With that said, though, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with the current world number 51, our dear friend here at Crack Rackets. It's the one and only Yana Kaufman. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Joining us on the podcast once again today for the first time in far too long is a man who has so many things, I imagine, to discuss coming off of a career season in 2023. Of course, we now know him as the world number 51 in the ATP rankings. He's, of course, a two-time ATP Tour finalist, a two-time NCAA team champion as well. Welcome back to the show, our dear friend, Yannick Hoffman. Yannick, I know you're a little sunburnt, but other than that, how are you doing today? Hey Alex, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, quite the introduction. I love it. Thank you. Um, it's good to be back. 
Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you back. And look, the introduction speaks to what you have accomplished since we last spoke. Yeah, and don't you forget those NCAA accolades, okay? (laughs) Like, on this podcast, they need to be mentioned. (laughs) Yeah, I should also say clinch the National Indoor Championship as well as the NCAA Championship as a freshman, which to date remains the most impressive thing I've seen any college freshman do. Do you know how many podcasts, Yannick, I call you the most underrated player of the 2010s in college tennis? I don't need to defend myself to you you um okay let's i mean i appreciate it but to be honest in 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 those runs especially in the in the in the ncaa championship run besides clinching i didn't do much (laughs) (laughs) you looked handsome i guess you know you know peaking at the right time i guess yeah no i i will say to the dying day and i think i tweeted this your passing shot against damajan is still the best pass i have ever seen just given the moment in person you came up with it but you know we've talked about that year in that year i did a little bit of something that's true true. the oklahoma (laughs) match as well people don't remember el corda how good he was and again as a pretty comfortable w for i'm gonna say us yeah. in this moment and so uh shout out to yeah. us we both won on that day but no um there's a lot of different things i want to ask you about obviously coming off of a career year for you here's where i want to start because it's something i have brought up on our show that i just want to ask if you appreciate it the way I imagine it might be appreciated, which is for the first time in your career this year in Stad, you made the quarterfinals after only having to play one match at the tour levels. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to the fact that you had worked your way towards the top 50. You received a bye because you were a seed. And, you know, again, one win. Now you're a quarterfinalist. How awesome was that? Like, I know it's a weird question to ask, but given the fact, you know, you're 32 years old and it had taken that long to be in that position, like, I can only imagine how amazing it must have felt. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously a lot of stuff happened this year and, and to be in those positions, it was actually in Stad and in Kitzbühel where I was a seed and Kitzbühel was actually seed number two. So there was... To be honest, it was a strange feeling, um, a little bit of pride, but uh, actually strange, I would say. And then, uh, yeah, Ingstadt actually had a really tough one, first round playing with Altmaier, and, uh, and then I got crushed by Medidovic. But yeah, so it, it, it kind of felt like, uh, of course, Ingstadt is in my memory, like with that 2017 run. So to come back there after a few years and uh, be seated was, yeah, like, kind of a full circle moment where you're like okay wow um, i'm not that underdog that qualifier with that amazing run anymore and i kind of, i'm kind of like that player that is uh, one of the favorites to win a tournament which uh, it's a nice way to i guess sum up the last few years of work and and this year as well so um i take it but I, I, yeah let me tell you it was a little bit strange to go out there with a bye <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine. And then they're like, they give you the paycheck, and you're like, you know, I only played once. Like, yeah. once. Like, this isn't what I usually get. And they're like, no, you're a seed now. You're into the quarters. And, you know, again, more broadly, obviously, I started with a specific moment there. But 
to reach the heights that you did this year, to not only make the run you did in Rome in, as a qualifier, making the quarterfinals, but just to crack the top 50, to even crack the top 100 in a way where obviously you flirted with top 100 status in 2021, but you know now you guys are in a seriously committed relationship. Like You're dating your top number 51 spot. That's a real top 100 position. What does it mean to you to accomplish that after so long? Um, it, it really does mean a lot. Um, I think the, the work that I've put in, especially in the last two years with my new coaching staff, um, it feels, it feels nice. It feels a little bit also, I'm sorry to say this, it feels a little bit deserved also. I don't know. Um, it, it might be strange to say that, but, um, I really feel like I've, I've gotten to a new level of, of, of playing and a new, like, yeah, level of, of physique as well, and uh, and and in that way, I've, I felt it already. Like two years ago, I was like, "Hey, I'm I, I kind of feel like I'm I'm there with my game, but something was still lacking." And um, yeah, as, as tennis as it is right now, uh, or as it is always, you never know when the results will come. And um, yeah, maybe this year was just kind of like meant to be that that year of of more results and getting those points and and getting to the top fifty. Which was uh, kind of a goal, but as it is with goals, like you never know if you're going to reach them and when you're going to reach them. And we said it at the beginning of the year, and then all of a sudden, in I don't know when it was in, in May or so, I kind of reached that goal already. That was, uh, that was nice. And um, yeah, it was, again, it was uh, so many things happened this year, and it, and it feels nice to be in that position. That I am right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for more, let me tell you. Yeah, and I want to ask about that sentiment, but to hear you use that word deserved, I couldn't agree with you more. And for people who, again, don't know, you are a two-time tour finalist. Both of those finals came before this season. You had made multiple quarterfinals at the tour level. And yet, you know, I'm, I'm curious because I heard you reference it there do you feel like the tennis you are playing is significantly different than the tennis you were maybe playing two years ago? Or is it really like a matter of, I don't know, six points went your way during a certain stretch of time and that confidence kind of translated through the rest of the season? Like, was there a, a significant difference in the actual tennis you were playing this year? Um, I, I would... I would not say so in in terms of like the height that I can reach, but I would say so in the consistency for sure because I've been a player that um, over the years like had some good events and a lot of bad events, and I think I'm I'm getting to a point where I'm much more consistent, and 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 that is something that you can only reach when you also put in the work over consistent like time frame. And I feel like I, I've done that and also maybe a little bit of maturity, you know, the experience you get when you play on the tour for, for a few years. Um, let's say 2017, 18, maybe I was a little bit <laughs> like a one trick pony or something like that. But um, I really feel like that now I can play events consecutively and I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay with it. I'm going to have a consistent performance. And uh, yeah, that's sometimes the key because in tennis, I mean, there's so many events in the year, like um, you never know when it's going to happen, you know, and you have to be ready every week to, to, to be able to, you know, have that result. And, and this year it happened in, in quite a few events and 
Yeah, therefore, um, I wouldn't say that my tennis is so significantly different. I would say that my physique has gotten much better. Um, like physically, I really feel stronger. Um, but yeah, and then the rest just kind of comes along with it. You feel physically, you feel strong, you feel mentally strong. And then uh, you, you beat a few guys that are maybe top 10. You get that belief going and then all of a sudden you're... You're kind of rolling. You 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 believe in in your abilities much more, and I think that's uh, yeah, also what happened this year. Yeah, I want to follow up off of that with two questions. I want to start on the tennis side of things because I couldn't agree with you more. Like anyone who's watched you play for a long time knows you've been hitting that kick serve since you were probably 15 years old, and you know that ability to hit that kick serve to open up the first forehand or the serve and volley, whatever it is you do, that play has always been there. But you know, watching you throughout the course of the year, I do think consistency was the big thing I saw more of, and in particular, and again, correct me if I'm wrong here. But it just felt like the return of serve, your objective was, hey, I'm just going to put this ball on the court more frequently than maybe you used to in the past. And I'm curious if tactically, like, that's really the only change I saw. Am I maybe on to something? Yeah, um, there's a few things uh, regarding consistency and, and, and being do, being able to, to play more rallies and mm-hmm. just being able to, if you don't have your A game and if you don't feel great, which we know in tennis, like you're not going to have um, so many matches where everything is just lined up and feeling perfectly for you. So you need to be able to rely on that B, C, D game sometimes and and I just really feel like my my average level of tennis has, has increased so much, and uh, which means that you need to return more balls in. You need to to make the ball one more time. You know, like all these things. And and I think they, yeah, they were they were definitely they they uh they were there this year. Yeah, and on the second side of that consistency note, you kind of alluded to that week in week out consistency necessary. I was looking at some numbers before we started, and. You won't like the start of the stat, but you'll like where it finishes, I promise. 2018, <laughs> you go 8-10 and 10 in first matches at events. 2019, 9-6. and six. 2021, you go 11-11 and 11 overall. These last two years, you go 14-4 and four in your first match at events in 2022. This year, 13-11, and 11, but I want to point out there was a five-match losing streak in there. Also worth pointing out how many of those events were tour-level versus <laughs> challengers in the past. And so the reason I bring that up is to say, First matches matter, don't they? Like, isn't getting, like, I guess as you get older in your career, is it like, hey, just put a win on the board this week. Start from there. Has that become something you valued more? Um, I mean, always. Wins, sure. especially in your first round to get into the tournament, making you feel a little bit comf- more comfortable. Yeah, of course, hugely important. I would also point out that, of course, the last two years I've been playing a, a tour level schedule with with also this year masters and 500s being involved or, or grand slams where this year i played what i played sedonolo in the second round as a top 20 player i played sinner first round taylor fritz first round so these things can happen you know in tennis and that five match losing streak um was that there was murray was in there mm-hmm. um was in there so you know Sometimes, like when when you might not have the luck of the draw, like you you get a few weeks where you just play top players and you might not get that win. So of course, getting to that next round, maybe having the 
opportunity to play a lesser ranked player or whatever, you get that win, it's going to feel so much better. But yeah, um, that 14-4 thing, that, that sounds kind of nice. Um, <laughs> even that 13-11 for this year, I don't think it's that bad considering the tournaments I've played. But uh, of course, yeah, next year I got to... I gotta, like be on that same mentality of, of getting those wins and, and especially starting well in tournaments. I like the fact that back-to-back first-round matches, and you got qualifying Davis Cup wins in between, but back-to-back first rounds, U.S. Open, Sinner, Beijing, Alcaraz. That had to be yeah, nice, <laughs> I'm sure. And well, I'm, in Beijing, at least I got a little bit of a, of a qualifying start there, but uh, yeah, I'll cross first round. No, I mean, Mimir Kasmanovic won in the Davis Cup final, so essentially you're a Davis Cup yeah. finalist. I think that's how it works. <laughs> um, and so, uh, Not really, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I am curious. I want to ask, let's start on the Sinner side of things, particularly given how hot he ended the season. What's it like facing that pace, point in, point out? From Akaras. Uh, from Sinner first, like that U.S. Open match. I'm curious, what, especially yeah. out of f- uh, best of five set format, like, ay ay ay. Well, not going to lie, uh, U.S. Open against Sinner, I felt like I played a decent match. It was 3-6, what was it, 3-6, 1-6, 1-6 or something? So, I'm glad you said that because it well, that's the exact score. And I agree, like, the score does not reflect... A lot of deuce games, like a lot of really good games yeah. throughout the course of the match. But still, you know, it still is three one one. So yeah. you got. I'm I'm coming out of that match. I remember I'm sitting on the bike outside of the US Open, uh, like outside of the, yeah, like the outside warm up area, sitting on the bike, like, like, damn, what happened? You know, like <laughs> I'm I'm physically actually kind of exhausted because it was also hot and humid, <laughs> and then you know thinking about the match, mad a little bit, then. Slowly, like coaches are coming, and then Sinner is also coming with with his team, and they're all coming over to me. I'm like, okay, and then they're like, hey, good match, you know, score was tough, and I'm like, okay, at least at least something. But I felt like the pace that he was playing at, the the amount of balls that he gave me to play, the amount of returns he made off of good serves, um, maybe a little bit of a foreshadowing of uh, what's was about to come from him in in the end of that year. Maybe physically in that tournament, he was a little bit not right there yet. With the, I remember the match against Zverev, he had some issues again. But as as far as ball striking, that guy, poof, uh, he can play so fast. And it's, it's something, it's a quality that I don't know how many players have it um, right now. It's it's him on that level. Um, even Alcaraz has, you know, he's got sometimes that loopy, maybe that drop shot, that slice. But Sinner is just like pure ball striking boom 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 and uh yeah that's that makes him unique for sure no it's special to watch and yeah i agree like again i want to talk about the alcaraz side of things in a second but if you'll allow me to ask how does one game plan against yannick sinner because you're right like i don't know what the hole is in his game like be aggressive on when you get a look at a second serve return like no sh- that's the game plan against everyone. Like, hate your spots on the first serve. Again, what the else would I be doing with my first serve? Like, I just, he's one of those guys, even more so than Alcaraz, where I'm just not sure what the game plan is. Yeah, I mean, we what we try to do, obviously, unsuccessful, is uh, we try to um, get him more parked a little bit on the backhand side and then maybe trying to jam him a little bit in a way where, if you go to the wings on his side, like really, it's he likes it. I think he likes to move in that way, 
but maybe you play that one ball out of the to the backhand. You play another one, and then maybe you go like a fast one down the middle to his backhand. Mm-hmm. That would be a little bit something that I think he's not that comfortable with. And then on hard court, I think you it's 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 tough because you don't have too many options because uh, you don't have the clay where you can you know mix the altitudes of the ball, the speed of the ball. And which is something that I would like to do on clay against him, you know, to mix the altitude, to maybe give him a drop shot here and there, maybe slice, to really give him different um, angles and all that stuff. But on hardcore, you you're a little bit limited because also the 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 speed that he's playing at, it's tough to to change up the pace, right? So uh, yeah, and then I felt like I needed to serve really good, and and this is something that he did well because I think I I didn't serve amazingly because he was always there he was always returning and then so then i'm like thinking to myself damn i'm i'm, I'm hitting three first serves but i lost three points <laughs> and then it puts you even more under pressure you know and then maybe you 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 think about your serve a little bit more and then kind of like a downward spiral mm-hmm. but yeah um Serving volley was 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 a little bit the plan also to go especially with the kick more not so much with the first serve but mm-hmm. Again, I'm uh, I'm speaking from like an unsuccessful strategy. <laughs> Fair <laughs> what, enough. What can I say? No, again, I want to <laughs> see it on the clay because that's when your spins and all of your trickiness that's best perhaps amplified. I will say on the other side, the Alcaraz match, a four and three loss, obviously, uh, but on your end, but a very competitive match. Like my approach to that would be. I think the scariest thing in tennis right now is Carlos Alcaraz with time on the ad side of the court. It's like if he can load on that forehand again, apologies for yeah. swearing, but you're just f***ed because he could play drop shot. He'd go inside in. He can go inside out. There's nothing that isn't available to him when he's in that corner. Yeah. I feel like That's you did a pretty good a... job. Yeah. No. Like, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I feel like you – you noticed that. I feel like you were trying to actually go forehand to forehand with him, which sounds a little weird, but like if you know it's a forehand on that do side of the corner, I just feel like it's a little less lethal. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough because everyone, not everyone, but most of the guys like to play from that angle, from that outside with the forehand kind of like having the whole court, which, and where he, I think you're right, he is probably the number one in that in that spot especially with his athleticism and everything. So, yeah, I was trying to, even though for me it's not that comfortable to to stay with that forehand-forehand, and then maybe, you know, when he changes, maybe I go, like, backhand down the line. Mm -hmm. And uh, only when I really had that shot to to really go to his backhand, then I would try to do it. But I was very careful in the whole match to, to not give him too many of those balls. Again, I'm speaking from an unsuccessful strategy, but I do think it was an okay match. Um, in qualities, actually, I thought I played amazing. And in that match, I thought it was a little bit like the serve was not quite there. Um, but it's also tough because on the qualities, we played outside on, on, on much different courts. And, and then you all of a sudden, you play in this huge stadium where the ball bounces so much different, much slower, I thought. And then, yeah, the game, the gameplay is a little bit different. So I was a little bit disappointed because, you know, Beijing, ADB 500, Alcaraz hasn't played too much then. I thought, okay, maybe he's a little bit rusty. I was feeling really good in Beijing, the, the qualities. So a little bit mad at that, that I couldn't get more. But yeah, he was at that point number one in the world. So um, 
yeah, uh, still okay match. But yeah, that guy to play him is 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 tough because he can he can threaten you with so many things where you cannot let up. You know, you you cannot rest for one second because he can do something that you know um, pulls you out of your rhythm so much. And yeah, I'm fortunate to have played these guys. I don't want to have them in early rounds ever again, but um, maybe more so in the later rounds. I, I, I'm okay with it, but yeah, that's how it is. For someone who has as good of hands as anyone I've seen play, when you go against Alcaraz's drop shot, do you tip the hat and say, you know what? A master recognizes a master. Like, is it, was it fun to have someone who's like, you know what? He hits it as well as I do. Yeah. I mean, I do think that I have a, like, Exceptional. You don't I have to praise it. I'll, I'll, drop shot. I'll praise it for you. No, no, no. Top 10 is not high enough, my friend. That you serve in volley and drop shot in volley on the clay is indicative of the top five hands you have. Like, I'll say it on your back. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, but he, uh, he's got a great drop shot, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Carlos, um, I think there was one, like, one of the last points in the match. I think I hit a drop shot. He gets to it, and he like almost fakes me out, and mm-hmm. and and almost wins the match like that. I told him like, if you hit that one, uh, it just ruins my life. But <laughs> no, um, that guy is is great, great for tennis. Um, the amount of like the energy that he plays with, um, the, um, the amount of shots that he can do, like he's yeah, great, great to have him to be honest. And yeah, um, drop shot battle. I think he won that in that match. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I think drop shot to drop shot, I'll take it as a draw still. But, you know, we've talked about, again, some of the non-successes. It is worth noting, you went 5-7 and against top 20 players this year. and I'll take that. Yeah, and here's a stat you may not know. Only 18 players won more than five matches against top 20 opponents this year. 18 in the entire world. And so a 5-7 and record is a very good record against top 20 opponents. How different the one is that the... got away was uh, oh, the yeah. one that got away was the Taylor Fritz match in Wimbledon. That that kind of that bothers me. But that, fi- that of all the matches, that's the one you'd replay. I don't know replay, but yeah, that that hurt. That hurt for sure. Yeah, and five sets, I imagine too. What what's it like to go the full distance? I mean, Wimbledon a little bit different, right? And then we had a we had that rain delay for two days. Um, it was a little bit a different kind of feeling in Wimbledon also because you you might not you know run as much and uh, but it's like it's more like the mental uh, toll it takes in Wimbledon um, to just stay connected with with the match and, and stay stay focused all the time because you know if you if you let up on the grass a little bit you have one or two lose serious games you you're in trouble um, but yeah. And, <laughs> The, the flip side of that was the Thiago Monteiro match in, uh, in the French Open, which was like that five-hour match um, that I won from being down 4-1 in the fifth set, being up two sets to love, and then down 4-1 in the fifth, and winning that one was... Yeah, that, that's a different kind of um, yeah energy uh, performance because I was, of course, dead. He was dead, and we were fighting, and... Yeah, so to get that first five set win under my belt after losing the one actually in Australia on the five sets, so I had a few of those this year on clay, hard, and with uh, and grass. So that's nice. That's uh, gonna set me up hopefully for the next years of you know, another few five setters because it's something. The five setters is something that I also dreamed of as a kid. You know, um, it's kind of a myth to to 
to be able to play five sets on on, on these conditions with, with these players um it's tough you know? uh, there's no way around it and and to win one of those is special to me and i will never forget that one um but hopefully i'm getting some more yeah. No. Again, it, we, the word that comes back to mind is deserved. It's deserved success this year after being on the brink of it for so long. And you know, I, I sort of alluded to this earlier, but when you're playing those top twenty guys, is it a matter of focus? Like, how different does the is the level of the match compared to the typical battles you're going through day in day out? Um. Yeah. Well, there's also another. Um element to it because usually when you play top 20 guy there will also be more people watching there will also be like it'll be a bigger court it'll be like bigger stage um and all of this stuff like of course it it, it sharpens your focus it it, it uh, gets you a little bit more the adrenaline so yeah of course it's about the level like uh, the level will if it's a competitive match or if, if i win it, it it's gonna be a higher level than maybe um con- like against other guys but in the end they're not gods you know of course they're great tennis players but like you have to step it up a little bit and especially i would say on the on the focus part and um just to be able to play the full match with with that focus and and, and not letting up because if you give them something they will take everything if if you just let up two sets to love one break they will take it you know so it's it's uh, you have to finish finish them and not let them come back because uh, these guys uh, they're they're there for a reason and yeah i think that's maybe like a little bit of a difference where they won't give you as many chances as other players might give you in that spirit, I'm curious, as we're talking on December 12th, in the midst of the offseason, uh, you're, I was going to say, I don't know if you want me to give away your location. I don't know where, and it's a big country. You're in Argentina training right now. I know you're headed home after that. Sorry, spoiler alert. Hopefully, I just want you to know, Yannick, God willing, there's a cracked rackets fan in Argentina who will now be looking for you. Like, that is the greatest <laughs> hope I could have for this podcast at this part, but we can bleep it out if you'd want. My question, I guess, is though, Playing your first full season of tour-level action and knowing what the week-in, week-out grind is like physically, mentally, did you approach this off-season differently? What has been your focus as you've been preparing for 2024? Um, yeah, the focus is to, or the, the, the objective is to to step it up a little bit because we know what's going to come next year. Um, next year, hopefully, another full year of tour-level. I mean, this year I kind of started... Um, well, in Australia, yes, but with the qualities and the South American tour will be the same next year, but then I actually didn't play any well. So, yeah, this year uh, or the upcoming year, I know that, that the first quarter of the year or the first months will be demanding because of travel. Um, and, yeah, playing on a tour the whole year is demanding as hell and uh, travel um, matches on a high level every week. Um, different continent a few times a year so yeah the focus for us was just to to step it up a little bit I, I remember this is my second time uh, doing the preseason here uh, in Buenos Aires and um, yeah last year I didn't have much time because we finished with the Davis Cup so it was only two weeks and, and a day or so this week's it's it's three weeks and a little bit and um, and then I have another week at home where I'll be training 
so yeah, we, we we're increasing the volume a little bit, and and so far it's going well. I feel like I'm I'm preparing much better than last year. Which doesn't always mean that the year is going to be better, but I'm I'm very hopeful that, um, yeah, I'm I'm just like a, a just a little bit better. Just what you need to be in tennis. You just need to be a little bit better than the day before or the year before, and then usually good things will happen. And yeah, so I'm I'm happy where I'm at right now. I think I'm ready for next year, and uh, yeah, let's see. Oh, I love to hear. Uh, is it more tennis centric? You know, is it more gym centric? Are you on clay, hard courts? Just of the follow up would be what I specifically because I was talking to Austin Krejcik. Here's why, and you guys are similar ages, and he was like, you know what? It's less gym focused for me, more you know tennis specific, less heavy weights, more maintenance. You know, by the way, no one was more upset that you turned 32 this year than me because I was like, there's no way he's 32. I was like, he's just not because that means I'm, again, older than I would like to be as well. So let the record show I feel your pain, brother. Um, but I'm curious, like, do you have to change? Have you changed? Not do you have to, but have you changed your offseason balance? Um, not too much. I mean, it's only my second time with, with this coaching staff, okay. so... Um, I can't really say how much it was different to to the other years I've done it in Germany um, because here also it's much different because you can play outside, right? It's summer here in Germany. It was always winter. We played indoors. So it's it's a much different vibe. Um, it is something, though, that uh, I don't want to go back to doing the preseason in the winter. So that's something that I'll take away from it for sure. sure. Um, but yeah, here it, it's I think it's a good balance, but... Um, the first week was maybe a little bit more gym focused, but not too much, I would say. And now we're getting into the, the last few days and and it's a little bit more tennis uh, heavy. We, we play a little bit more points. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it's always a balance because in the end, with tennis players, we need to hit the ball. We need to run and um, we're not weightlifters or whatever, but I do have a good weight program here um I'm, I'm doing a lot of tennis specific things uh, combined um with with you know athletic coaches and yeah it's it's uh it feels good i think the the argentinian coaching culture is a very good one they have a lot of great players um they had a lot of um experience i think with 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 this level of, of tennis players so um i i really trust them and uh, i think they're they're doing a great job do you still have to practice the drop shot during practice? Or are you like, you know what, I got that one. We'll worry about Always. that one later. <laughs> Always. <laughs> it's good. No, you got to, like, as with everything, you can, you ask anyone about their strength, what they're doing great, and you ask them, are you actually practicing it? I guarantee you everyone will say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the drop shot, I mean, sometimes you stand there and, and my coach will feed me balls and I'll hit drop shots for, like, a few minutes, you know, and 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 one direction then another direction and same with the kick serve or same with everything you know you need repetitions um maybe sasha bublik or benoit pair will tell you oh no we don't need to drop practice that then or nick couriers will say that yeah. you have a few outliers in tennis maybe you do um but i would say the majority or us alcohols i don't know if you ever have a chance i'm pretty sure he'll say yes i'd practice that all I'm asking is, again, post that video. That's the off-season training block I want to see. I want to see three minutes of you just nailing drop shots. Every third is bouncing back over to your side. Like, I know that video exists somewhere. Um, my last two questions for you before I let you go. 
again, uh, not to stick with the the theme of your age, but you know, this year, age thirty two, you crack into the top fifty for the first time, and you end your year in a position where, you know, again, shout out to you, you made almost a million dollars in prize money this year. You're going to be in a position next year to probably play most of the slam main draws, certainly the first two, and you know, again, continue that run. I'm curious, does a season like twenty twenty three extend the window of your pro career in your mind? Like coming out of this year, do you start to think, you know what, maybe instead of three years, I try to shoot for five years. I try to keep going. Or was that always the plan? Um, I mean, I don't really think like that. I, I just think as long as my body allows me, as long as my mind allows me to to play on this level, to be hungry, and uh, then I'll keep playing. You know, I don't want to sit a limit on that, um, how long I'm going to play Right now, I really feel like I do <laughs> understand my age. I do also feel some things with my age, but still, I feel relatively young. I mm-hmm. I do believe that um, I can play for a few more years on this level. Um, you never know with injuries, obviously, but um, I feel good and I feel very motivated of, of what happened this year and also the last year, um, where we're going and... Um, yeah, uh, I'd love to just keep it as going as long as I want because I love tennis. I love the travel part and everything. Um, you love it and you hate it, of course. But um, in the end, um, I'm very fortunate to be a tennis player and to do this um, for a living and, and and make some good money. And uh, yeah, as long as as long as that all of that is in place. Um, No, I love to hear that. I did. It's funny when you first gave your answer. I know you said your body allows, your mind allows. I heard as long as my body loves me, and I was like, dude, that's kind of right. Like as long as your body loves you, you can keep playing. And once it stops, well, he definitely, he definitely, he definitely doesn't love me because (laughs) uh, um, there is a yeah. If if you want to reach like the heights of a sport, any professional sport. Your body won't love you. That's yeah. just the reality of it. it. It doesn't love you, but it hasn't divorced you yet. It's still in the, look, we have kids. <laughs> yeah. We got things to do. Like, I'm going to stick with you for now. That's great. Well, then, my last question for you, and this is a stupid one, but you can come through the show without at least one explicitly stupid question. As you're going through Rome and, you know, making this top 50 push, it's really impressive stuff. But are you calling Jan Leonard Struff on the side and you're like, dude, cool off. You're stealing my shine. Like, this is my moment. Like, okay, there can only be one thing in German <laughs> tennis right now, and it's got to be me. Like, you got to cool down. Because that – I mean, again, a guy I'm sure you've known for quite some time. Like, he, you guys have these massive clay court seasons simultaneously. It was a moment for German tennis. Yeah, definitely. I mean, him making the finals there, what a run. And also playing well in Monte Carlo. Then uh, Altmaier also played well. And, and yeah, I think in, in that way, we encourage and we motivate each other to, to just battle and to just compete with each other and, and uh, yeah, like lift each other up. And uh, there you go. I, I, think, I think for us, it was a great summer. And um, I think it's also showing that in tennis, like also now Matara is coming back, Kuffer is coming back. So we're all a little bit older, but uh, we're doing well. We we have a good group of guys that 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 play really great tennis, and we have one guy with Sasha that can compete for a Grand Slam. So there you go. Um, I think yeah, we're in a good spot. 
Yeah, it's a solid crew. Again, I I was I was following your run, but of course I did see the Strew from like, oh, okay, it's a little bit of a moment. But like, dude, can you relax? Like, it's not your moment. Um, but no, again, more than anything, I appreciate having a moment to chat and catch up with you because listeners won't know this, but I would say it's probably once every three weeks. I, I try not to do it too often, although this year I had to, but once every three weeks, I send a text to Yannick being like, hey, dude, I'm just following from afar and I appreciate what you're doing and let the record show not every player responds to those texts yana Kaufman always responds to those texts so my friend congratulations to you on again a career 2023 season and to your point the best i imagine is still yet to come always appreciate getting the chance to chat up uh to catch up with you thanks alex appreciate it let's uh talk again in a few years maybe two years maybe Nah, let's go Hopefully. six months Late after you semi-final <laughs> roll on garros that work all right all right. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll okay. Take it. Perfect. Thank you, my friend. Be safe. All right. Bye-bye. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with world number 51, two-time ATP singles finalist, and again, a dear friend to us here at Crack Rackets, Yannick Hoffman. A thank you to Yannick, as always, for taking the time to chat. I, again, always appreciate getting the chance to speak with a top 100 player, particularly one who we've gotten the chance to know over the years here at Crack Rackets, and again, particularly one who's taken a little bit of time to break through, but has stayed persistent, and obviously the results, the level speaks for itself. Again, here's to what Yannick said in hoping that 2023 is the start, not the peak of uh, something special happening in his career, of course. With that said, you want to speak to something special happening in someone's career, go listen to our conversation with year-end number one doubles player in the world, Austin Krejcik, who was kind enough to join us on the podcast. Also, be sure to stay on the lookout for other pods on the horizon. We have a lot of fun conversations coming over the next few weeks, not just here on this show, but as I alluded to in the intro, mini break podcast, great shot podcast, rocking and rolling, covering all levels of the tennis world. Pro, College, Challenger, ITF, and yes, Junior Tennis World as well with the great Colette Lewis, the GOAT, I should say, joining us on the Mini Break Podcast this week as well. Again, fantastic content to fill all of your tennis fans off-season needs. You can find it by liking, subscribing, reviewing all of our shows. Again, this one, the Mini Break, the Great Shot Podcast, as well as our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Of course, how do we produce all of that content? Well, it's because of the tireless efforts of our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who, as always, has a of an any job to do day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout-out to him. A shout-out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You have been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We will talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>